This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace. I am the author of This Naked Mind and The Alcohol Experiment, and I am answering readers' questions. And today I got a question from Jan, and this is this is such a good question, Jan. She says, my husband passed away suddenly of a heart attack three weeks ago, and I started drinking again. I had seven months of sobriety. Can you do a video about grief? I've not given up. I'll get back on track. It's just right now I'm so traumatized, and you have helped me so much. Thank you. Love, Dan. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for this. There is just really nothing harder than losing someone who you, who you love so much, and I completely, completely understand. I think most importantly right now is like you want to be gentle with yourself and graceful with yourself now i'm going to teach you some of the things that you probably need to know about how alcohol affects the brain during times of high stress and i think that's going to be really important and tools to help you but i also just want to know you to know that like taking care of yourself and getting the support you need and grieving um i understand about grief what i know about grief from my own grief is that the more we can lean into it, the more we can express it, the more we can feel it, the more we can stop running from it, the more that it changes inside of us. There's a saying that says every feeling fully felt changes. It doesn't mean it's ever going to get like it was. It doesn't mean it's ever going to go away. Things will never be like they were. But by embracing your feelings and not shaming yourself from your feelings and not running from your feelings, you really have much better chance of it changing into something, you know, that ultimately can be of service to you and to the world and to other people. And I know that seems probably impossible to hear and understand right now, but I really firmly believe that that's true. And I think that in our culture, we do really weird things with grief. You know, we go and we basically are almost trained not to even cry at funerals. You know, it feels uncomfortable to cry in public. And that's very cultural. And I think that in other parts of the world, they deal with grief in a much different way, ripping clothes, mourning, you know, uh, screaming, shouting, and, and really letting it out. And I think giving yourself permission to feel what you're actually feeling and not feel any sense of shame about it is, is really important. Um, in terms of alcohol, I'm going to give you a little bit of a lesson on how alcohol can work on the brain during times of immense stress. And I actually just did a podcast yesterday with a woman, Dr. Leslie Cole, she's a medical doctor, and she works in the opioid epidemic. And one of the reasons, and this is the exact same reason that opioids, pain pills that are prescribed for pain can be so incredibly, not only are they addictive anyways, just like alcohol, but at that moment when the body is physically in pain and emotionally in pain, because by the way, accidents, surgeries, sickness are emotionally tra traumatic as well as physically traumatic, you are actually more vulnerable to addiction. explain how this works, and it absolutely is true during times of grief. And in fact, if you were to go back and you were to sort of look at um, maybe your drinking history prior to this, and I know for me in my drinking history, and I have thousands of stories that I me like this is that drinking was really something that was more or less take it or leave it until something happened and it wasn't necessarily a specific pinpoint moment but until life got stressful and something happened where all of a sudden drinking started to be something that you did for 
for stress and for self-medication. And that was really where things tickled. For example, um, my friend Jill Parkey says that she really didn't think much about her drinking until after, you know, getting um, splitting up from a partner, being in deep pain. A few weeks after that, she drank a glass of wine and that glass of wine felt really different. It made her feel like, okay, it numbed the edges. It made her feel alive again. It made her feel less alone. And that was really kind of the turning point in her personal relationship with alcohol. For me, um, it was really when my second son was born and I, both my husband and I were working really high powered executive level jobs. I was in charge of 28 countries. I was traveling twice a week nationally. So I was away from my kids all the time. I got on a plane when he was six weeks old um, and it was incredibly stressful for me. And it was at that point in time that drinking became more than just something I did with friends. You know, it became something that I felt I needed. And this is true over and over and over again in people's stories. And there's usually the stories of people who've had really traumatic upbringing or have lived in constant sort of pain of not feeling enough or, or feeling very socially uncomfortable. And then they have their first drink at maybe 13 or 12 or 15. And all of a sudden that first drink kind of makes them feel for the first time normal. And then they're very quickly addicted. And so this is what happens. And this is based on research by Dr. Kevin McCauley. And we have something called a hedonic threshold, right? And so if you imagine your body is, um, imagine that you get a fever and you're, body temperature rises in order to kill off the bacteria that it's trying to fight. And so your entire body temperature rises from 98.6 degrees to say 101 degrees, but then it still fluctuates at 101 degrees. It still goes slightly up and down every single second of the day. Your body temperature is always fluctuating, trying to maintain homeostasis. But the whole fluctuation is happening at a higher level. It's happening at the 101 baseline instead of that 98.6 baseline. The hedonic threshold can be looked at in the same way as your body temperature. We have a threshold where we are operating where we're not, you know, we're trying to just maintain a very natural sense of well-being. And if you are fall below your threshold, you can do things to bring yourself back up, right? So if if your hedonic threshold is just normal, it's right here, it's like straight across, and something bad happens, like I don't know, you have a really stressful day at work, you can get home have a list of things that you do that bring you back up to normal, right? And those things can be walking the dog or going outside or taking a hot bath or getting a cup of tea or watching TV, whatever it is, right? And those things will break through. Now, when you're under periods of very, very severe stress, your entire threshold of well-being changes, right? So it rises, if you will, just like that fever. And all of a sudden, all the things that you used to do to feel better during this time of grief don't make you feel better. They don't act in the same way. You can't just go for a walk and get over your husband's death, right? Like you can't do these things. They don't even register. They're happening here and your grief is way up here. And so when something can break through, addictive substances are addictive hurt because they artificially release dopamine into the brain and dopamine can break through a hedonic threshold that is way out of whack due to grief. And so what happens is you drink that beer, it breaks through your hedonic threshold, and your brain learns because dopamine is the learning molecule that keeps us alive. It's very much tied to evolution, how we've survived for, you know, as long as we have a species because it tells us what to do next and what is vital for our survival. Your brain learns, oh, that thing you did 
brought me back to a sense of well-being because it artificially released dopamine and it broke through a threshold that was way higher when nothing else you were trying could. And so your brain quickly learns that thing you did is important for my survival. And that is why there's so much research and so many studies to show that, you know, real addiction can be born in times of severe pain, trauma, grief, and stress. That is why the opioid pain pill crisis is so intense is because it's really happening at a point in time where you are in the hospital, you just suffered an accident, you're just going through all these things, and you're in this point of really elevated stress. And so when someone gives you a narcotic, when someone gives you an opioid and it breaks through that stress, your brain learns that, that thing you just gave me is important for my survival. And so your brain starts seeking that thing out over anything else, over food, over water, over sex, over anything else, because it's learned that, that thing is important for survival. And they've proven this in studies with, ma with rats and mice. They've actually gotten them addicted to something. And once that has triggered, they will walk over electric grates and burn their little feet. They will forego food. They will forego water. They will even stop taking care of their young in order to reach the substance that they've become addicted to. And that's how severe addiction that is born pain can be. So first of all, Jan, be very gentle with yourself, care of yourself, love yourself. But if at all possible, try to do this with as little knowing as possible. And just think of it as doing a service to yourself, to your soul, and to your um, husband to really feel what it is, as intolerable as it feels, allow yourself to feel it. Because the way out truly is through and the last thing he would really want was for a very severe addiction to be born out of this tragedy. And so I know that's a little bit of tough love, but I'm definitely thinking about you. And it's such a good question. And thank you so much for asking it. Are you ready for a deep dive and truly lasting change? If so, you might consider my intensive program. It's a nine-week self-led program that you can do in the complete comfort of your own home, and it will truly transform your relationship with alcohol. If you want to learn more about this, go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash intensive. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.